Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. This is Paradox and I am Josh. Sadly, Jimmy is not able to to make it today. He had a meeting that he could not move. But I am extremely beyond excited to be able to talk with today's guest. Today on the phone with me is Bob Goff. Bob, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks a million. Glad to be on the show. So Bob is an author of a New York Times bestseller, Love Does. He's also founder of a nonprofit that's same title, Love Does. And his latest book that actually comes out on April 17th is entitled Everybody Always. Bob, tell me about Everybody Always. Yeah, the whole idea of the book, the premise is, how do you love people who creep you out? Because <laughs> it's easy to love really nice people like you. Uh, but what do you do about people that are a little prickly or a little hard to get along with? Some people actually are married to them. <laughs> exactly. What do you, exactly. What do, you do so when, you, when it's actually difficult and uh so it's, there's setbacks that we all have, there's difficult people, and uh, instead of uh, just saying a bunch of Bible verses over it, just say, like, what's actually the art uh, that uh, God has? Sometimes people will read a story about some friends that took the tiles off a roof and lowered the sick guy in front of Jesus, and I think a lot of us think that we're lowering the creepy people in our lives mm-hmm. in front of Jesus to fix, and I think they're actually lowering us. Mm-hmm. They're the ones, if you want to know more about your faith, you want to know more about your relationship, sure. and actually uh, stop avoiding these people and engage them. And don't get me wrong, there's some people that are just toxic and unsafe to be around. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the people that we've been polite to and distant from. Because I realized about myself that I spent my whole life avoiding the people Jesus spent his whole life engaging. And that's what's something that's changing in me. I'm a exactly. trial lawyer by nature. And I've actually win arguments for a living, but I'm not trying to be Jesus's lawyer. And I think there's a lot of people that are. And it doesn't work very good in a marriage. Doesn't work very good raising kids. <laughs> what works great is being humble. Why do you think we have a, a tendency to do just that? Actually, push away from people that Jesus engaged. Oh, because it's really uncomfortable. Having like somebody who's like a really like a jerk to you, you just go like, well. Uh, we have a you know uh, an aversion to pain and suffering, um, uh, and we want to go towards what is more pleasurable. That just makes a lot of sense. I'm wired that way. You're wired that way. Everybody from the factory. Well, what Jesus is saying is that we need to just have this reverse economy. He was saying you want to be first, be last. He's always flipping it about 180, and so a 180 on this is instead of being polite or indifferent to these other people, to actually engage people. We've got a, uh, uh, I tried Uganda's first death penalty case uh, a number of years ago. And uh, and instead of, like, telling everybody what bad guys, witch doctors are and the horrific things they did or signing petitions, 
I started meeting with the witch doctors. I sent out word on the Bush radio. I'm hmm. still serving as the consul general for the country. I said, the consul general is here, and I command every witch doctor in Gulu to meet with me. And they <laughs> came. I've met with a thousand witch doctors wow. so far. <laughs> and they are creepy dudes. They make little dolls that look like me and stick in <laughs> so, so <laughs> But I asked these guys, I'm like, what do you need? They said, we don't know how to read or write. So get this. I started a witch doctor school. <laughs> wow. We don't teach them how to be witch doctors. They already know. We teach them how to read and write. And the only books they have in witch doctor school are the Bible and love does. Wow. <laughs> You're in their textbooks. Wow, wow, wow. So what I what I'm doing is I'm learning from these folks that creep everybody, including me, out. There's a ropes course that's probably a hundred feet up in the air, and I'll take these witch doctors up on the ropes course. And when we get up to the highest part, I unclip them from the harness. <laughs> I give them a little push, and they they're like, "Stop pushing me!" I tell them like, "Stop scaring people," because that's how everybody <laughs> feels around you. So if you stop scaring people, I'll stop pushing you. But the difference is, I know their name. Exactly. You personalized them. Yeah, that's you what were. Jesus always did. He knew people's name. A lot of times we have people that we're criticizing or trying to straighten out, and you don't even know their name. Yep. And if you don't know their name, I'd say, uh, shut up. <laughs> if you don't have, you're not going to take time to even get to know their name. I wouldn't give them any pointers. Exactly. Uh, because what I would do is engage them. I engage them without agenda because as soon as love has an agenda it's not love anymore just another program now do you lead with hello my name is bob and you creep me out yeah totally what we do actually <laughs> is do these things and i go as a uh a wealthy businessman from Kampala, and i'll meet with a witch doctor out in the bush and i'll i'll ask them uh uh, are you able to get children for sacrifices? I've never asked a witch doctor about that and not had them say, they'll get one for 30 bucks. Isn't that crazy? But I've yes. got these cameras. I've got, they look like pins and watches. And, and then I'll go meet with 400 witch doctors in the same community and say, you see that guy? He's dead. It's over. You will never see him again. Hmm. And if you even talk about sacrificing another kid, it's over for you. You can actually speak truth to, to power. You can say, no, actually, we're just not going to do that anymore. And, but not with arrogance, but with resolve and humility and gentleness and kindness. But again, with tons of resolve. And I think this idea of everybody always is that we could love people uh, the way that Jesus did. If there's one thing that difficult people, creepy people suck out of us, it's time. It, it seems like they just take so much time to love. How do we choose, It's it, with time being kind of our most precious commodity, how do we choose everybody always and not worry so much about the time that it takes to love on them? Well, a couple thoughts on that. The first one is the people that creep us out. The crazy part is we creep them out too. <laughs> They're more creeped out about me and you than we are about them. Um, and then the, this idea of being generous with what you've got, um, just uh, use what you've got. Uh, it's, I've always thought it was ironic that the first thing that God made was time, and it's sometimes the last thing that we make. And mm -hmm. so uh, I put in uh, both of these books, I put my cell phone number on the last page of the book. Not because I'm looking for new friends, I just want to be more available. And following Jesus means a life of constant interruption. I've gotten 70 calls already today, and it's just midday. And I just like, I, <laughs> it's awesome. I can't get a thing done. 
But every time the phone rings, it reminds me that Jesus was just constantly interrupted. It doesn't make me Jesus. It just makes me like him. And I think that that's what we're all aiming for. If faith is a big deal for you, how could it be more like him? And I just know he just always had time. A lady pulled on his shirt, and he had time for her. A little guy in a sycamore tree had time for him. It's just time for everybody. And that the people that we pass by and are polite to uh, are actually the people who kneel down and sort of drawing things in the sand in front of. Another thing that difficult people require of us are tempered emotions. You know, they can draw out the most negative emotions from us. How can we learn to temper our emotions and learn to respond the best way? Yeah, I'm thinking about the uh, first verse that popped in mind is this idea of always be ready to make a defense for the hope that's within you. But what uh, most people stop right there, they don't read the next sentence, and it says, with kindness and gentleness. <laughs> mm. So there's a lot of people trying to be Jesus' lawyer, and here's the deal. He doesn't need them, and most of them stink at it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Jesus doesn't need any help. He's out of the crib. Read Revelation. But he actually <laughs> has this thing, and what he wants us to do is engage each other. Because if we really believe that uh, God made all of us, even the creepy people, then if you like skipped all the creepy people, you'd be reading every other page of the Bible thinking you knew what it said. So Uganda is obviously on your heart. You've spent a ton of time there, work there. What's the most important thing you want people who've never been there to understand about the country? Oh, well, it's actually all these countries that Uganda. We took all the money from Love Does and gave it away. And uh, so we have schools now in Uganda and Somalia, Iraq, Nepal, India. Get this, we're starting our next school in two weeks in Afghanistan. (laughs) I'm headed over. What could possibly go wrong? So the whole (laughs) idea of just fail trying, don't fail watching. So you see a country and you see something. It can be our own country. You see something, you get involved in that. But don't sign a petition. Get involved. Get in line. Like Just jump in. Don't wait Absolutely. for an invitation. Don't wait for permission. Your life, your faith is all the invitation, all the permission you'll ever need. What do you think attracts you to those dangerous places? Oh, they're like penny stocks. They're only going one direction. They can't go any further down. So mm-hmm. I'm just like, I, I just see a, a country that's in a civil war uh, is this country with a ton of hope for the future because people have given up on their institutions there and uh, and I think that, you know, uh, many people are frustrated in our own country. and They've had a lot of things that they had some confidence in uh, has been shaken um, in the past year or two. And so uh, to have people just engage, but engage uh, with love. Don't engage in other arguments. We don't need the loudest voice. We need to listen for the truest voice. That's what I'm listening for each time. So I hear people, like, raising their voices about things, I'm like, I just tune them out, because uh, the only time you'll ever hear me raise my voice is when I'm yodeling, <laughs> and I've never yodeled. <laughs> you mentioned in your book that arguments won't change people. Simply giving away kindness won't either. Only Jesus changes people, and it'll be harder for them to see Jesus as their view of them is blocked by our big opinions. Speak to that for a second. Yeah, that's just crazy, the, uh, uh, the whole idea of uh, having an opinion, and I got an opinion about everything. I'm a lawyer, but every time I tell God about one of my opinions, He asks me about my heart. <laughs> I'm like, crap, because it's easy to have opinions. They're like toilet seats. Everybody's got a couple. But I would say, what about our heart, though? Um, mm-hmm. Where's that coming from? And oftentimes, 
my biggest opinions come from a place from the deepest insecurity myself. So I try to overcome this insecurity by having a big opinion. And actually, it isn't as helpful. So uh, we're all insecure. We just uh, act that out in different ways. Some people act it out by being kind of manic in everything that they're doing and other things. Uh, other people are kind of timid in what they do. And so just knowing that we're all kind of in the same boat, um, but to just be more kind. I get it. They're all insecure. And I think Jesus is the only one that could give us the confidence. And that's a worldview. That isn't sure. for everybody, but that's mine. Um, but I'm not trying to, again, be Jesus's PR guy. Uh, and that wasn't my idea. It's Matthew 16 that uh, flesh and blood doesn't reveal it to you, but the Spirit of God. Our job, love people. Spirit of God's job, tell them who he is. <laughs> Teacher, Every- prophet, son of God. Everybody always is such a timely book, especially when it comes to just big opinions and our political climate in the U.S. today. I guess kind of speak to how we can get past having such strong opinions and loving people specifically because they're on the other aisle. Yeah, I'm I'm not saying that uh, this is a lack of resolve. Have these uh, deep uh, beliefs, deeply held beliefs. And, uh, and understand why you believe what you believe. And uh, uh, if faith is a big deal for it, uh, do what Paul said to do, check it against Scripture. But then, once you check it against Scripture, you don't need to be given Bible verses to everybody, particularly people that don't think, see the Bible as the authoritative Word of God. Uh, love does, everybody always, you won't find any Bible verses in it. You want a Bible verse? Read the Bible. It's full of sure. them. But I wrote these books for the guy at the tire store. I want the guy who's felt estranged, who got terribly wounded along the way, which is all of us, <laughs> everybody always. And to say, what if we just say true things? So that's the litmus test for me. Uh, but in terms of uh, like this whole idea that God makes people and people make issues, but people aren't issues. People are people. So uh, gay, straight, Buddhist, Baptist, People are people, and if we could just get that straight and be, have clarity in our own mind about why we believe what we believe, then that's a great first step. But a lot of times people are parroting what somebody else said, or they think they need to uh, help God out by taking this uh, really strong uh, vocal opinion on something. And I don't—I uh, uh, just believe what people do. Um, I'm kind of from Missouri. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going Thomas on it. I'm not doubting people. I'm going Missouri <laughs> on it. Show me. <laughs> right? There's a friend of mine who is the voice of all these movie trailers that you see. You go in a theater, it's his voice you hear. Oh, and uh, his business card says this, people believe what I tell them. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> I want to have a As a therapist, card. I wish that was true of me. Yeah, totally. I want to see you guys. To tell me about Bob. Well, I believe what he tells me. And people will believe what you say when they see what you do. Yeah. And so, and don't, do you think don't start with what, what I... Go ahead. Do you think it's fear that drives uh, shutting out any other opinion and being so dogmatic with your own? I don't, I don't know if it's fear. I think sometimes we're just trying to be helpful. I think it's misplaced. But I think we're just trying to be helping Jesus out. And uh, for a God of the universe that doesn't need any help, <laughs> sure, exactly. don't worry about it. Like, literally, it doesn't mean that you don't know why you believe it. As a matter of fact, the opposite. Um, uh, Galatians 1, to uh, uh, 
if somebody comes and preaches a different gospel to you, just run out of the room. And so you got to know what the first one is so you know what the, that this is a different one. So I would say if faith isn't a big deal for you, then still know why you believe what you believe. It's all good. Like, literally, I just don't think we're there with scorecards like it's the Olympics and say, I'll give you a seven on that. Correct. <laughs> we're not a bunch of sheriffs. We're not a bunch of umpires. We're just supposed to be loving each other and knowing that God is doing different things in one person's life than he's doing in another. If he wants to, if you want to grow a radish, that takes 20 days and one seed. If you want to grow a pear, it takes seven years. And I think sometimes what I'm guilty of is putting down sod where God wants to put seed. Because I'm like, you know what, sweet Maria Goff, who I'm married to, like she's more like Crock-Pot, and I'm more like Microwave. Because <laughs> I'm like ADD boy. I'm like, come on, come on, come on. Super impatient. And if we could just slow down the cadence a little bit and realize that, you know, it's take a, take a bright Saturday, and uh, on that Saturday, just say you've got a wedding planner who is praying for sunshine, but you had a farmer who is praying for rain. Uh, and it doesn't mean that God doesn't like the farmer. It doesn't mean that he likes the wedding planner. I think he loves both of them. Sure. And I think it's a sunny day. And I think he has a control over everything, including us. And if we could exercise just a little bit of control in the way that we interact with people that we disagree with and do it with uh, kindness and gentleness, the way that uh, Paul said to do it, then now we now we have a ball game. So one of the best lines of the book is, we don't need to call everything we do ministry. Just call it Tuesday. Speak to that. <laughs> yeah, usually I, I, I make uh, everything about me, right? <laughs> I'm usually, you know, I just, I, I had a stupid webpage that said it was, I was like saving a generation of Ugandans. I had a school with a couple hundred kids that probably didn't even want to be there. That was hardly a whole generation. I had to ask myself. Why am I overstating what it is that I'm doing? Why am I so insecure? And then another stupid webpage that said, serving the poorest of the poor. <laughs> like I was stepping over poor people saying, get out of here, you poser. I want the poorest of the poor. If, no, you're not poor now. That was, yeah, like, like it was more noble to serve only the poorest of the poor. And so if we... Uh, keep making everything about us, and it'll never be about Jesus. And so this is kind of a clarion call to me. I'm not trying to modify anybody else's conduct, but for me, just not overstate what we're doing. Call it Tuesday. Give me one book you're reading right now that everybody else should go grab and, and read. Oh, Peter Pan. I love that thing. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Was this. <laughs> I'm not going to give you Bonhoeffer. I need to give you Peter Pan. Like, yeah, the whole idea. You see, uh, so to, to the audience, I didn't ask you that ahead of time. You seamlessly threw out Peter Pan. That was fantastic. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, find stuff that you actually enjoy. And then what you'll do is you'll find your faith alive. Go write your own book. Like, just take these uh, things that are, you believe are true. Take the simplest stories in your life and say, what can I learn about more about my faith? How do I connect more with my family? How do I find more purpose in my in the things that I'm doing. And now we've got a bunch of people that are going to change the world. I mean, Jesus picked a bunch of fishermen that can't get the nets on the right side of the boat. <laughs> and they had a 50-50 shot, right? <laughs> but he uses them to change everything. And I want him to just use me. And I think we're better than a 50-50 shot. I think yeah. he uses our, our failings, our fallibility, our weaknesses, our, the things that are distracting to us. 
if we'll give them enough time, if we'll give them enough of our attention, then people will start believing the things that we have to say about them. So one last question. If there's one idea that you want uh, people to walk away with from the book, everybody always, um, what do you hope it is? I hope somebody will pick up a phone and send a text message to somebody who's hurt their feelings and just say we're good. Like, literally, it wasn't good. It wasn't right. It, you were wrong. But I don't know if we need to murder board all that again. I, I think that to say that just find somebody that you've uh, had some distance that's created and move a little closer to one another. That's what God does. Like playing catch with a kid, you know? Uh, somebody dropped the ball. Maybe it was them. Maybe it was you. But what good fathers do is they step closer. And what if we just take a little step closer to the people that uh, God created is just as insecure and fallible as us? And it's tough, but that's where we grow. If we don't grow where we're informed, we grow where we're accepted. And so just go find somebody and accept them. Bob, thank you so much for your time. Now get going and enjoy Disneyland. Hey, thanks a million. I'll be thinking of you on the Matterhorn. <laughs> I appreciate it. So Bob was absolutely fantastic. He, I got notified 30 minutes. I was already home for the evening, and I got notified 30 minutes before the interview that Bob was available. He stopped in the middle of Disneyland to have a conversation with me. <laughs> and if you couldn't tell, I was just rolling the entire episode. He, he is a funny man. <laughs> With incredible truths, and I just want to leave you with actually what he left us with, and that was the idea of reconnecting. He said, good fathers step closer. So when your wives mess something up and offend you in some way, when your husband mess something up and offends you in some way, when your kids do something that you have told them a hundred times not to do, good fathers step closer. Our natural tendency is to get away emotionally, physically. We just had it with you. I'm done. And we separate for a couple of hours. Good fathers step closer. We have got to engage tough relationship with our family and friends and love them, reconnect with them. And that's when we'll see healing in our relationships. If you want more information about Bob, it is bobgoff.com. His nonprofit is lovedoes.org. You can find all of his socials on his website as well. It was a blast. Jimmy, because it was in the evening, he actually um, had a prior engagement, and so he couldn't make the interview. But we hope that you enjoyed Bob. He was absolutely fantastic. If you want more information about this episode, it's paradoxpodcast.com. Definitely feel free to like, review, and share the episode. We appreciate you. Bye. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. We hear what we expect to hear, and we see what we expect to see. And yeah, and I have couples all the time that will sit in my office saying, I never loved him. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, did somebody handcuff you yeah, down the aisle? That's so stupid. No. But after years, right? Uh-huh. So after days and weeks and months of years of negative interactions with your spouse, all you see is the negative.